Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. to win a Super Bowl before we die. I will ride with this group. Seriously, man. Please. And away we go. All right, sorry. I know we're a few minutes later than usual here. I see you guys in the comment section. Uh, we just spent five minutes off mic. Judd raving about his Porzana restaurant oh, experience God. last night. Oh, so man. we could just You're we done. could do that for the whole episode if you guys want. We could either answer like twenty different Vikings questions, or Judd can just go detail by detail his oh, porzana dinner. I'll just experience. say this: the pork chop, to die for. Mm. Love a good old good pork chop. A little Ooh. pork chop football. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> this is feedback Friday, not to be confused with feedback Friday or feedback Thursday with the Zolgads last night. Uh, we take as many of your questions and hot takes and theories throughout the week, and we stockpile them and turn the show over to you guys. So we're going to do just that here. The best way to get a hold of us is through the Score North app. There's a, a little feedback tab. You can email us your uh, your feedback Friday questions. You can request to get on, write that down, and vent line as well. So we'll dive into a ton of different things here. Let's talk about our friends at Quick Trip though before we do anything else, Judd. Absolutely. There you are are looking at the fact that Quick Trip is your one-stop shopping place. If you're driving home and you know what, you're like, what am I going to eat for dinner? What's the family going Dude, to those eat? Those pizzas right there. Oh. Look at all the choices from Quick Trip. Absolutely Hell outstanding. Yeah, from, from a pizza that you can simply throw in the oven to meals that you can heat up. And you know what else? If the gas is getting low, if you're getting towards E, if you're allowing it to get towards E, which I don't do, I think Phil does. I think that's ridiculous, but that's oh, fine. I have 12 miles of cruising range right now, actually. I absolutely hate that. Oh, but you know what? Fine. No matter what you decide to do when it comes to gasoline, when you do ultimately fill up, Quick Trip is the place to do it because they have their quality gasoline guarantee, meaning what goes into your tank, they are guaranteeing that's going to be quality gasoline, quality place to stop. What more could I give you? It's Quick Trip yeah. for you. Yeah, I had. To, I made a trip yesterday. You're ridiculous. For it was Don't like a little this. late lunch meeting for um for 
Purple Daily purposes. Yeah. And I left with, I think it was 28 miles of cruising range. And I want, I made it all the way down 35 W and got, to, and now I'm back and I still have 12 miles of cruising range. I could go get some groceries later, come back. Dude. Probably still have like Next six miles I, of cruising I range. I can't. I, yeah, I'm never me, getting I'm in the car it. with it's you. It's great. Not because I don't think you're a good driver. I've never actually been in the car with you as with you driving. I've driven you a couple places. Yeah, but, that's true. Uh, you're a good driver. I, 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 yeah, I can't do that. I get anxiety once once the light turns on with, you know, the 35-mile warning when the light turns on. I'm like, oh, I, quick trip. Where am I? Where's my negative quick trip? I got to get to a gas station. Well, it was even harder before quarter of a tank. But it was like, it was harder before you had like the actual mile number true. Yeah. with the old yeah. school cars where the gas light would come on and gas you'd be game. like, I don't know. And would do you I do that? 40? Could be five. I would, would gamble less with just the gas light because you, you couldn't. Rem- you, first of all, you didn't know if it was 35. If your car is old, maybe it's maybe yeah. it's flipping on with nine miles left. Anyway, but- quick trip. When, when you fill up, <laughs> just go to quick trip. All right. OK, so Rob Williams chimes in here and says, I'm done with Quasi if we don't re-sign Daniil Hunter because he could have gotten something for him at the trade deadline. He just doesn't seem to have a handle on football operations. We need a more experienced football GM. How do you look at the Daniil Hunter situation where he's an unrestricted free agent? He can go and sign anywhere he wants. I think with Flores coming back, it seems like he wants to still be with the Vikings. But, you know, if another team comes in and blows him away with an offer. How, how would you view it if the Vikings wind up letting Daniil Hunter walk for essentially nothing? Well, I think it's ridiculous because of, of what he said. And we've talked about this before. Like you, you literally supposedly, according to the stories that we read, sort of like pulled the players. And they all said shockingly, don't make any big trades. Let us go for it. I mean, y- you could say, well, crazy couldn't have seen this coming, but it's sort of your job in that position to say, okay, you know what? This is a good gamble. This one might not be. So am I done with Quazy at that point? That might be a little strong personally, but do I think it would be a massive mistake to have not traded a guy who could have gotten you uh, draft picks at the deadline? And then in a season in which you got off to a bad start, rebounded, but that was, you know, and then Kirk, and then Kirk got hurt and you could have traded him because Kirk got hurt right before the deadline. Yeah, I, I think it's a big problem if Daniil Hunter walks for nothing. Yes, I do. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, he the asset management comments that he's always made, and that's where with him, Kirk, him and Kirk obviously having these big dead money penalties and just their future up in the air being unrestricted free agents, one of them is coming back if not both. Like, there's no way Kwesi lets both these guys just walk away. I would be shocked. I'd be pretty surprised. He's going to bring one of them back, and I think I would probably lean – Daniel more than Kirk. Yeah, I think this is it's so tough because on one hand, I've been saying the entire time. If you don't trade him at the deadline, you can't just let an asset walk for nothing. So I'd rather re-sign him, maintain control of the asset, which sounds ridiculous because we're talking about human beings, but it's football. Mm -hmm. But then he's 29 years old. What if another team comes in? That's that's, because a lot of teams feel like, you know, maybe the Jaguars, for instance. Exactly. They feel like they're they're one big piece, an edge rusher away from winning a Super Bowl, and they might say, "We can afford it. Let's make this happen." Mm-hmm. Is overpaying for a twenty nine year old on the edge of his edge rushing prime? Is that just compounding a mistake that you made at the trade deadline? So I'm kind of going back and forth on this, but I think if if he walks for nothing, you really do have to kind of go back and take a look at okay, w- were we just making a decision based on our hearts? 
oh, we're going to keep pushing forward, even knowing that our our top ten quarterback is out for the season. We're gonna we're gonna do this with with uh, Jaron Hall and Nick Mullins. Like, right? You can't think with your emotions in those situations if you're a front office, and you can't pull the locker room and use that as a data point. Yeah. You want to maintain culture, but your job is to manage assets, and this just feels like, man, if he does leave it'll be wide open to look back at the process and say, boy, you had two different chances off season and then trade deadline to probably get a first round pick for this dude. And he walks for nothing. So yeah, I would be, uh, I would be very critical. And just from the uh, 10,000 foot view of what we're talking about here, I guess my question to Quazy at that point too is, so what is your process? Like, is your process rooted in, in analytics and data and, and decisions that are made? And by the way, those decisions are made without a lot of emotion, right? Like, the, the, the whole thing is remove the emotion. But mm-hmm. then you're pulling the locker room? Yeah. So, like, what – so is your process that you want to be liked? Because that ain't a way to be successful as a football executive. Yep. Okay, JT Muraski says, I feel like this team is missing something that I don't know we can draft. Looking back at all the successful teams in Vikings past, this team has always had a colorful personality or more in that locker room. Players like Jared Allen, Everson Griffin, Brian Robinson, Randy Moss, John Randall, the Purple People Eaters, Brett Favre, all these guys supplied this team with a unique personality. I would say Chris Carter, for better and worse, had a very dynamic personality, right? Mm-hmm. I don't see anyone on this team that sparks them through their persona. Maybe Justin Jefferson, but I don't see anyone else. Maybe if Kirko Chains is resurrected, this team just feels vanilla. Am I wrong? Is there someone that can give this team some personality, some spark, and some life? I don't know that this team like lacks spark completely, but I do think where this is spot on is this. I think this team does lack, and this might sound silly, but I think it lacks snarl. I think this team lacks snarl. Like Steve Hutchinson, he might not have been viewed by the outside as, uh, you know, talked a lot because he didn't, but he had a snarl. You were, you were, he was like intimidating. Johnny Randall, Johnny Randall, nothing but snarl, baby. Hank Thomas, uh, Jared Allen was a big time persona, but he also had snarl on game day. So yeah, I, I would, would I like to see, you know, I, I guess the leaders of this team were guys like Jordan Hicks, who's more of a just a like a workmanlike, probably businesslike type of guy, Harrison Smith. Um, I get the point. I don't know that this team needs like a goofy guy to be all talking all the time, <laughs> but I do think that there is a lack of an internal sort of okay, it's game well, who's day the, now. Who's the gather everyone guy? You know, who's the? Well, I'm just Kirk thinking back tried. to other teams. Kirk, Kirk, sometimes On this team, but. But Kirk, if we're if we're being honest, you know, when you watch the Chiefs, and I'll use Patrick Mahomes and Brady was like this too, like some of the greats. You know, the the Chiefs will come off the field after making a field goal or after making maybe they score a touchdown, then the extra point, whatever. Like Patrick Mahomes is out on the field from the oh, yeah. sideline, still like little literally high fiving the long snapper and let's yeah. go. And and Kirk is much more of a cerebral, I'm gonna go back, sit on the bench, get the tablet grind my teeth a little bit and and focus on what I need to do to do my job for the next drive. I don't know that he's the rally everyone sort of centerpiece think, during a game. I think for better or for worse, I think to what you're saying, your rally and sort of the guy who's got, got an edge, you got to judge it partially on it. 
on f bombs. <laughs> Pat Mahomes, who's dropping the f bombs? Yeah, and watch Netflix. What does he do? I mean, he is a let's swearing... f and go. Yeah, no. and he's and 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 look. I mean, I see complaints. You know, your kids see this. I don't care about kids. This is a uh, this is setting the tone, right? But I mean, Kirk's not. That's not Kirk. I mean, you couldn't ask Kirk if you if you said, "Hey, dude, just go ahead and swear." That's not going to change him. It's a good point. It's a good point. Again, I think that this team, it's not that they lack personality completely, yeah. but I do think that, that they lack, and th- that's why I go back to Hutch. You know, Hutch was an SOB. They had a few and, guys on that team, though. Yeah. They had but, Hutch, Favre was like that. Dude, Peterson was like that. So here's the question. If you guys were at games consistently, and we all were going into the locker room post game, and it was mm-hmm. a tough game, who are the, you know, two, three, or four guys who you're like, I really don't, I got to talk to them, but I really don't want to. Because like, you know Hutch, they're going to be Hutch was that guy. What, but, dude, like that 09 Vikings team. That was a great conversation. There was, because you and I were in those locker rooms mm-hmm. after all those games in 2009, and there was a number of guys that would be fired up to speak on behalf of the team, and sometimes they didn't really want to talk to reporters. Other, But it was like, who were the the fired up spokespeople for the team, right? right? And that team had Steve Hutchinson. That team had Jared Allen. That yeah. team had Matt Burke uh, or John Sullivan, I guess. Uh, Matt Burke had left the year yeah. prior, but John Sullivan, a little bit more soft-spoken, but like they had a bunch of dudes. I mean, Adrian Peterson, I don't know that he was like the greatest leader, but he was fired up and he was ready to ready to rumble. So they, yeah, and, and I'm, I'm not even naming all of them. It's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. A, lot of, a, lot the, of, a lot of quiet. Yeah. The photo that Brian McKinney tweeted out yesterday of the all pro, those the guys, pro the bowlers. pro bowlers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's was, like 10 of them. I yeah. was really <laughs> tempted to tweet back, though. Dude, you literally were kicked off that team because you didn't show up for meetings. He, like, went to the initial one. That That's the first oh, year, the, I think. the Pro Bowl team? The, the Pro Bowl team. Yeah. The, right. That's the year. I think that was the first year that they took it out of Hawaii and played it between the conference championships and the Super Bowl, And so, you know, th- those guys, a lot of them got out because obviously the Vikings lost a tough game. McKinney lives there though, because the game was in Miami and he showed up for the first meeting and never showed up again and thought, I guess he thought he was going to show up for the game and just play. And finally they're, they're like, okay, we don't talk about a lot here, but you got to show up. And so they booted him off the NFC roster. Yeah. That's also around the time where the stories came out that he had like $400,000 in unpaid nightclub VIP charges. I think right? it was Miami. Lebitard did an ESPN the magazine piece where he hung out with them yeah. for a night and like they, they went and got the champagne and all of this. And like yeah. the bill at the end was just incredible. Dude, and it was somewhere around then, like 09, 2010. And I've told Judd this story before, but. The uh, I don't think it's still open, but Seven Steak and Sushi downtown in the old Block E oh, yeah. used to be kind of a hip happening place oh, yeah. in those days. And they were doing some event, and I, I can't remember why I was even there, but I was there with a couple friends like up on that rooftop area. And Bryant McKinney comes rolling in. And I'm not exaggerating. It was Bryant McKinney and 10 women in like evening gown dresses. And they had this little VIP area off in the corner. Hell yeah. Just all having a just a just good clean fun, right? They're mm-hmm. just like a little bottle well, of champagne, just hanging out. Not the out. boat. <laughs> well, not, not the, the boat. boat. <laughs> where McKinney was performing acts that would not be considered good clean fun. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I don't know what they did later in the night, but yeah. you know. 
Uh, Hayden Locker says, I meant to send this sooner, earlier in the playoffs, like when uh, all that crazy weather was happening in Kansas City and Buffalo, but I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on how the Vikings moving indoors with the construction of the Metrodome long ago and then the construction of U.S. Bank Stadium ruined the culture of the Vikings, specifically the culture that Bud Grant cultivated for his teams the first 20 years. Watching the wildcard games a few weekends ago, a team like Miami was really out of their element, having to play in the freezing temperatures. Mm-hmm. The Vikings have ruined their home field advantage by leveling the playing field and by being indoors. Okay, so this I is... Agree, I think I agree, by the well, way. I, I love that stadium, but I think I agree. <laughs> I definitely agreed in the move to the Metrodome because that, that turned this team, as far as like games outdoors and stuff, very, very soft. Um. I agree to a certain point, but I will say this. There's advantages and disadvantages. The advantages are are you are far more likely, and the Vikings will, when, when they've got the cap space, pay for free agents in this day and age now. So I'm not talking about the initial move in, into the Metrodome in 82. In this yeah. day and age now, you have a lot better chance to get players if you don't play outside. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get so, – so you can – but – and remember, too, Bud Grant, like, it was legit. He wouldn't allow heaters on the sideline, for instance, right? Like, their whole culture was one that was would be completely unsustainable. Now, am I saying that it would be interesting for them to play outdoors? Yes, I would agree with that. But there is also this whole thing about, well, the way Bud did things, you couldn't get away with the way the Players Association would come in. So I, I think to, like, say, well, what Bud, what Bud did could still be going on today is a huge stretch. But it would be interesting to see what would have happened, I I think, especially with those 80s teams, if they hadn't moved. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. But it is interesting when you when you look around, you know, the Packers have been one of the great franchises for 30 years, and then, of course, way back in the day, and they were host to the most famous cold-weather game, the Ice Bowl, right? back in the 60s. And the Buffalo Bills are currently using weather to their advantage to some extent, and they have a big, strong quarterback that can run and pass his way through those temperatures it does it does level the playing field you know when when a team when a team like Miami is traveling around in January don't you think they are wildly excited to be playing in a controlled like if they could go play at Houston or Indianapolis or something yeah they were beat before that game started in Kansas City because they're just not acclimated to it but in terms of just being comfortable as a fan and as a media member for you, because you're at the games well, credentialed, like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great stadium. It's a comfortable stadium. Green Bay is gr- great for us though, because we're we're in a press box like seven, six or seven floors above the playing f- field, and it's hermetically sealed, so like it's comfortable. But I just, I, I also go back to this, you know, in recent in recent years, the Packers have lost some pretty damn big conference championship games as the home team. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's fair. You know, to, and, to, Cali- and, to California teams, by the way. Well, and that, 40. and the giant, and the Giants team that beat Favre in, in his last game as, as a Packer, that was because Brett 
was awful outdoors. Yep. Oh, that's, those are fair points. Uh, Bad Dad Joke says, where did this idea that Ryan Tannehill... Uh, wait a second. Yeah, we can go with this one. Where did this idea that Ryan Tannehill would play for $7 million as a bridge quarterback come from? Last year, so we were kind of floating like bridge quarterback options. Last year, he had a cap hit of almost $37 million. Uh, guys at his level of play and experience usually make $20 million a year. I like the idea, but let's be honest about the kind of money he's going to get. We're talking $7 million. So we're, we're just going off of what Pro Football Focus is projecting, and they're pretty... Pretty rarely do they project $8 million and it's 40 <laughs> for a player. Mm-hmm. So you got to think like this is all if Kirk signs with the Falcons or something, what would the Vikings do? They probably draft a quarterback, but then they're going to want a bridge guy for one year for a lot less money than Kirk. Tannehill is 36 years old. He was hurt and ineffective and got benched last year, which makes him not super appealing compared right. to some of the other options. Right. But there could also be a resurgence maybe if he gets with the right uh, offensive coach. So that's where that seven to $8 million number came from is we're just going off of the PFF top 150 free agent projections list. Mm-hmm. Um, David Goldiger says you guys all seem okay with being crappy for a few years instead of trying to compete every year. You seem to laugh now almost at KOC and Quasi wanting to be competitive in 2024. Fans get pissy enough now when they lose. What's going to happen if they suck and win only three to five games? That can't be good for business and ticket sales. Hey, first of all, first of all, when you realize if, if they do this right, and we're only talking about a year or two here. No one's talking about like an extended Lions period. You're terrible in perpetuity. Um but here's my opinion on ticket sales. I don't think a bad year or two would like all of a sudden cause U S bank stadium to not only empty out, but for the seats to be unsold. Mm-hmm. Now, if now if we're talking five, six years, yeah, then that's a problem. But, you know, we've documented pretty well what we think about this whole thing, what, mm-hmm. what we think about potential high draft picks. Like, I, I don't know what more, I can say if you want to be competitive every year and really leave yourself very, very small room to get to the Super Bowls, that's totally your right. Uh, but I think that we have seen also there are philosophies on how to uh, rebuild a roster or retool it. And part of it is you can't just be like, let's just try like this year, right? We're, you're one in four, then Kirk gets and then you get good and then Kirk gets hurt. Could have bailed on some things and said it's not our, our year. And the Wolves or Quasi or a combination of people said, "No, no, let's keep, let's continue to try." And my question is, where did it really get you? But who? But who's saying three to five? Like, where does the three to five wins thing come from? Well, he's just saying fans are going to be mad and not go if it's a couple of years. I disagree with that completely. So, but I'm are saying- they? But, but like, you really think that this? That if if he's what he's time was, if Kirk walks, mm-hmm. I think he's mistaking say goodbye to Kirk for strip it down to the studs, which is not what's happening here. Strip it down to the studs would be okay. Kirk walks, trade Justin Jefferson, trade Christian Derrissaw, get a boatload of first-round Hunter picks. Hunter walks. Yep, I got Hunter you. walks. I no, like, this team without Kirk Cousins could actually get better because you'd have more free agency money to spend over the next two or three years. It was starting this, you could start racking up those free agents right now in March. So this whole, like, this... The, to me, it's like it's like fear mongering propaganda. This well, they, 
be careful if they only win three to five games. Like, what on earth makes you think that this team is only going to win three games next year? They've got two of the best tackles in the NFL. They've got the best wide receiver. They've got a 1B. They've got a great defensive coordinator. They've got a competent head coach that at times has looked like a rising star. Like, I don't, what am I missing? This three well, to five wins? Like, what? But let's say they win th- three games for in 2024. The fans are not going to abandon them. They'll be pissed off, but that's cool. They should be pissed off. But but the point is, the only way that this is going to happen where where you are not selling tickets, so it's just it's not just not butts and seats. It's you are not selling tickets would be an extended period, and I don't see that. But I mean, but forgot, this whole Browns thing fans about, showed up with paper bags on their faces. You know, like fans will show up. Fans. I mean, the Texans were look like they look dead in the water after the Sean Watson trade. And all of a sudden CJ Stroud shows up, that place is rocking. So I, yeah. And to Phil's point, they're not bad enough unless you are nuking everything. They, they are probably proof of, they cannot go three wins. And dude, like they won two games with Josh Dobbs, not having met his teammates. And that's the other thing too. It's like, well, if cousins walks, you're going to have Nick Mullins out there for 17 games. No, no, no. If cousins walks, you're going to probably draft like Drake May or Jaden Daniels. You're going to make a move and you're going to bring in a bridge quarterback that's way better than the guys they were running out after Kirk's injury last year. You're going to bring in like a Gardner Minshew or somebody like you're. So I don't know. I can't. I get, but to Judd's point, okay. If it's bad for a year, they're still going to sell out. They're still going to, they've bounced back from bad seasons before. It's not the end of the world if it happens. I think the way that the Vikings have done things traditionally, though, does lead now to a complete fear of what if we're not competitive? Like people are now conditioned to think that being competitive is great. Yeah, I mean, like the goal is to win a Super Bowl. So you're really not you're not competitive on that level either. And you haven't been for six years. So, uh, God, there's a lot more here. Before we dive into, let's see, we got Tim Hoover. We got Brian North in the mix. Let's shout out our friends at Ballard's Resort here, gentlemen. If you're looking for a great fishing getaway this summer, go to Ballard's Resort on Lake of the Woods. This is the walleye capital of the world, folks. This is some of the best fishing you're going to find. You're going to get that fresh Canadian water and air also in your lungs, in your soul. You can uh, you can connect with a U.S. Coast Guard licensed guide, too, with all the equipment needed to catch 10-pound walleye. And then uh, go back to the uh, full-service bar and restaurant and brag about all the fish you caught. But these dates do book fast. So go to BallardsResort.com to book your stay. BallardsResort.com. And speaking of fishing, the 34th annual Brainerd JC's Ice Fishing Extravaganza is happening this weekend, tomorrow on Gull Lake's Hole in the Day Bay, over $250,000 in prizes, and you can purchase tickets for just $50 at any of the 49 Fleet Farm locations across Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, and North Dakota. So, you know, what are you doing the rest of this Friday? Why don't you go and make your plans to get up to Brainerd for the 34th annual Brainerd JC's Ice Fishing Extravaganza? You can also just get tickets and find more information online at icefishing.org. That's icefishing.org. Tim Hoover says, many thanks for all your hard work keeping the Purple Faithful informed. Thank you, Tim. Love you, buddy. Uh, I've bled purple since I was an 11-year-old boy watching Super Bowl four with the upstart Chiefs where they whacked the Vikings. And believe me, I've bled plenty over the last 54 years. So, yes, 
I've seen all the Vikings Super Bowl losses. The most memorable loss for me was Super Bowl eight, where the Vikings lost to the Dolphins. Memorable because at the age of 14, I had never heard my father, a well-known priest in Roseville, swear before. Oh, wow. The Vikings were mounting an effort to get back in the game just before halftime when Oscar Reed fumbled the ball on the Dolphins' six-yard line. And my father, the priest, who generally could care less about any Minnesota sports team other than the Twins, jumped up, still wearing his black suit and white collar from church in the morning, and screamed, Bastard! And a couple other things, too. (laughs) He went over to the 25-inch Magnavox TV and smashed a small plastic game that was sitting on top of the TV and then later had to get stitches for a gash on his hand. Father. Oh, father. Father. Repent. Oh, my God. Man, you feel it's the funny thing. Like, Declan and I are kind of younger generation fans, but then there's the even, like, the Gen Z fans, and we think we've been through it. Man, if you're Tim... And Tim's dad, and you sat through those Super Bowls in the yeah. 70s on your 25-inch Magnavox TV. Oh, just You've been through TV. it. <laughs> just took eight guys to carry that TV in and stick it on your shag carpet. Oh, my God. Those old ones were great. Yeah, that is uh, that's really impressive for a man of the cloth. It is, man. Hey, everyone's got their breaking point. Man. No oh, one's yeah. perfect, man. We're all human. Probably had to go to confession the next day, say a few Our Fathers, and... Grab a couple new rosaries. Can you uh, confess to yourself? I don't know how that works. Like if, if I'm a if priest, to, I think you have to oh, find another priest. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Yeah, you have to find the deacon priest. or the bishop. One of those guys. My cath my 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 baptized but non confirmed Catholic Catholicism is trying to come through here. Declan's just naming religious words just right naming now. Yeah. the rabbi communion. Ah. Yeah. Uh, Brian North says, small nit to pick about Tuesday's show. The ta- it was the tale of the tape episode where we uh, compared the 49ers to the Vikings. It was sort of a throwaway comment by Phil, but he called Debo a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I dang near drove my car into the guardrails. Oh. Did, did, I call, did I say that? Did you say that? I, don't, I said I don't Trent Williams you. for sure. I might have gotten carried away. Debo's a really good player, but he's not quite a you said Trent. I remember you said Trent Williams. You probably said Trent, yeah. Okay. I might have I might have gotten carried away. Meant, yeah. But he says, my question is, I'd love to hear you guys speak about this. Uh, have we come to have we come around to using higher picks on running backs in the draft? If you look at the leading rushers from the past ten seasons, they are littered with first and second round draft picks. Of course, there are outlier seasons where late round picks have a pop up season every now and then, but the guys who are at the top of the rushing list are still consistently. High round draft picks. Just look at last year's list. Seven of the top 10 rushers are either first or second round picks, including explosive young guys like Jameer Gibbs and James Cook. It's interesting because in The Athletic today, Alec Lewis had a thing about this, about how much the Vikings like Jameer Gibbs, and that if he had been around when they picked in the, uh, I think, 23rd, where they took Jordan Addison, would they oh. Would they have taken Gibbs because they loved him and his skill set, and he can obviously catch the ball, and he is a multi-pronged ru- running back. So <laughs> it's a good question. My my personal opinion is, if you like a running back, I have I don't have a huge problem with a second round pick, but unless that guy is like a surefire, and in some cases they are. I mean, Saquon Barkley is a good example. 
unless that guy is a surefire Pro Bowl player almost immediately. Um, I still think I struggle a little bit with investing a first-round pick there. But you can make a pretty good case from what the Vikings put on the field or wouldn't put on the field in 2023 um, that drafting a running back high would not be a terrible idea. Yeah, I mean, B. John Robinson last year was like a can't-miss prospect. I think even um, our guy moved the sticks. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah uh, had him as the best prospect in the draft. Like, he called him in pre-draft out uh, talk that he was one of the best prospects in the draft. Now the Falcons and Arthur Smith's buffoonery very much misused him last year. But, yeah, unless he's a just-can't-miss type of prospect, I'm not taking one in the first round. And then you see just examples of, teams finding running backs in later rounds that I would much rather just allocate my resources towards drafting a running back probably in the middle or, or the end of the first end of yeah, the draft. I think it depends a couple things. I think number one, paying running backs at age 26, 27, after they're done with their, their rookie contract, that's super risky. And we've seen a number of, of those mistakes um, in terms of drafting running backs for a second round, I think it depends on where your franchise is at. I mean, if you're the Lions and you have a really good roster and you've got your quarterback in place for right now and you've got your edge rusher and Aiden Hutchinson, you know, they could still use some help in that secondary. But if you have if if you have a couple tackles and an offensive line, okay, draft a running back as that final explosive piece. If you're the 49ers and your roster is loaded and you got a couple extra cap space dollars to play with, Go trade for Christian McCaffrey as the final piece, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I I think that a running back like that, and and to be clear now, um, I think to use that term is probably the wrong term because they have to be able to be really good in pass protection, I think. They certainly have to catch passes. And to do that, you need a screen game, and that's a whole different story with the Vikings. But I think that that position is the cherry on top. So like the McCaffrey trade, I absolutely loved. Why? Because they were set to pop and said, we could use this. Mm-hmm. Um, the the problem with a running back in the first round is this. They get five-year contracts with the fifth-year option. And to what you're saying, Phil, their shelf life is probably the, the entire contract, hopefully, yeah. if not the four years. That That's your problem. You're not going to get... Um, you're probably not going to get the value on a second contract, which is what you really, really want when you draft a player in the first round. Logan Blasky says, first off, just want to say I love the show. I listen every day. Thank you, Logan. Some questions and theories for you guys on the Feedback Friday show. How accurate and reputable do you guys think the reported two years, $90 million contract for Kirk is? So that was Charlie Walters from the Pioneer Press. Have seen a lot of people trying to discredit that report. Doesn't it make a lot of sense for both the Vikings and for Kirk's side to get those numbers leaked out there? I mean, that's we had a few questions along these lines. Um, first of all, Shooter's not just making this up. Charlie Walters, he's, I mean, he's definitely like into the reckless speculation lifestyle. So yeah, yeah, he, he, you know, he understands how he's to right live the, the street, reckless boss. for sure. He's in the reckless speculation neighborhood in the mm-hmm. cul-de-sac, if you will. But if you're the Vikings and you're trying to sort of let the public know or you're trying to maybe prepare people for life after Kirk, you would float. Can you believe what this dude is asking for? This dude wants $90 million guaranteed over two years. There's no chance we're going to do that. So let's let's float that out there and let people poo-poo it. And, of course, if you're Kirk's side, whether this gets out publicly or not, you want the value to be as high of a starting point as possible in the negotiation, right? You want to 
Of course, you're going to say two years, a hundred million dollars. That's where my client thinks he's at. And then it works its way down to. So I, yeah, I think there's a reason why that got out. How accurate that is compared to what the final actual price tag is going to be remains to be seen. But there's a reason why that information got out. Don't you think? Oh, yeah. And let's say, oh, okay. So let's say it's not 90. Let's say it's 80. Fully guaranteed. Yeah. Does that change? Does that change your opinion a ton? Like, to me, this is, uh, and, and the other thing that's so important about this entire thing is the guaranteed money. So like, if it's two for 90, but the guarantee is, I don't know, take your pick 60 then it's much more palatable probably. So like these are all uh, at at this point in time to me, could it be less than 90? Absolutely. But my question is, if you're the Vikings, what type of stomach do you have for, okay, let's say it's 80, but it's fully guaranteed again. Right, exactly. But but like we're, we're getting hung up on the number when these contracts, there's a lot more. Then that there's the guarantees, there's there's how it's going to be paid off. Yeah. You know, to our conversation yesterday, you can kick that proverbial can on salary cap down the road, but it is going to bite you at some point. You know what I want? We we've seen these quarterback documentaries, full swing, the golf shows coming the season two is coming out here in a couple months. Uh we've seen F one stuff. I want agent, sports agent. I want a whole eight part mini series. Oh, they do of- that negotiation they love to do that right but like i want your house i want netflix to produce that i would love it you know what you should do contact some folks right now make sure that you get a cut of that pie decks dude that makes that's so doable i mean i don't know how much they would be able to show because a lot of it's like privileged information that you'd have to get all the clients to sign off on too teams would have to sign off on it Kirk's yeah. agents from negotiate. Hey, by the way, we're doing this Netflix series show, Quasi. So whatever you say, it's going to be yeah. going to be oh, here. Kirk, and Kirk would love that stuff. Kirk would love there. it. It's Kirk a great idea, it. though, Dex. Like this is a this is a money idea. I love this. So Sack Daddy chimes in here. That's right, Sack Daddy. Football. Everson. Everson Griffin. That's a different Sack Daddy. It's Alan Page. Alan Page. It is. It's Alan Page. Alan Page. And he's reacting to that poll we ran this week, which led to the Tuesday episode of, hey, if the Vikings had stayed fully healthy, who is the better team, Vikings or 49ers? And 30% of Vikings fans on that poll voted Vikings. So we did kind of a tail of the tape, and we landed on Niners, but there's a huge chunk of Vikings fans that thought, hey, we were just unlucky if we would have stayed healthy. We are the 49ers. And so here's what Sack Daddy says. The poll you mentioned about the Vikings and 49ers proved something that 30% of Vikings fans are fully delusional. I wouldn't be surprised if you made a Venn diagram of those 30% and Kirk truthers and found it to be almost a perfect circle. This is because Kirk truthers are also fully delusional. Wow. Sack daddy. You like that? Well, this, is not, you like that? this is not us. This is sack daddy. Purple daily is not saying this. It has been obvious to me for years that Kirk does not have the inherent drive or desire to win a Super Bowl, but rather the drive to be an all-conference player in high school. Football can be important, but it won't stop him from completing his math homework. The inability to go all-in is one of the aspects that makes him unable to be in the elite category of quarterbacks. Here's an idea. Sign Kirk to a $10 million contract 
and then give him $2 million for every Tuesday he comes into the facility during the season. That will get him to where he wants to be financially. It's hard to imagine being the highest paid employee anywhere and still being able to just be an I just work here guy. He is not interested in winning, but in maximizing his own personal stats, whether they are on the back of a football card or his bank statement. Whoa! Sack Daddy! Sack Daddy, it's great. You know okay. what? Go ahead. Yes, sir. This is impressive. Mike Zimmer has finally contacted the show. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Zimmer. Zim. So, I heard it all week long, right? 0 oh, 9 on Monday night. Yeah. <laughs> you like how this tastes? Yeah. Okay, on the Tuesday thing, we got hammered for talking about this last summer. And I probably brought it up three or four other times, too, throughout the early part of training camp. You know, Kirk Cousins does not work on Tuesdays. And the pushback I get from fans is, you know, defending it. Well, you don't know anything about the NFL. You don't know ball. They don't practice on Tuesday. It's like, no, we, we have covered the NFL for a long time. Like, we understand that there is no official practice on Tuesday. But I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, Logan Ryan, longtime, really good safety for the Patriots, Titans, huh? and he got picked up by San Francisco this year. So Logan Ryan, is he, he did an interview on uh, Fox Sports 1 earlier this week, and he was asked about the culture in San Francisco. And the first thing he said in his answer was, man, the thing I love is I showed up, because I'm like, trying to get up to speed, so I showed up on Tuesday for some treatment, and I'm paraphrasing him, Half the team was in the facility on Tuesday in the regular season, putting in extra work, getting in an extra lift, looking at extra film, whatever it may be. So, well, the, the, the Tuesday thing is like a taboo subject. Everyone should be able to have a day off, right? You get to take a day off at your job. Well, these guys are only really expected to be plugged in on a daily basis from like, August through maybe February, if you make it that far. And then you get the rest of the year. And then, by the way, you're like done playing when you're 35 and you're worth $250 million. And then right. you can do anything you want the rest of your life. So the Tuesday thing has always stuck with me as a really telling, interesting thing that separates Kirk from the other top quarterbacks. And Logan Ryan just said it about the San Francisco 49ers this week. So, well, and, and we know that a lot of quarterbacks go, uh, go into game plan. Like, it's not like you practice. I, if, if there's a, if there's a misperception here that you like go in and practice, you don't go in and practice, but you know, when O'Connell is helping or is playing a key role in drawing up the game plan, I believe there was a reference in the Netflix doc that he does that they will call Kirk or text Kirk with ideas and Kirk will respond. But yeah, there is a, there's definitely something to be said for the preparation that it takes to be successful. And Zach Daddy, much more harsher than I have said it, is sort of saying the same thing though, which is, do I think Kirk Cousins will ever win a Super Bowl? No, I don't. I'm not sure he'll get close. It doesn't make him bad. He's a very talented dude. But I think that there is a certain mental, there is a certain mental wiring. Like Pat Mahomes is unbelievable. And like his physical talents are off the charts. But there have been guys like him before. They're not wired like him. Like there is a certain, they, the prof, as, as we all know from being around it, there is a certain level with professional athletes that the ones who are wired right 
it's special. It's the only way I can describe it. Mm-hmm. It's Let it be special. known, too, that Purple Daily during football season is working six days a week. Okay, Saturdays is our really only off day. We're, we're, we're grinding just as much as all these other football players, okay? We don't get built in Tuesday off We're working day. harder than Kirk We're working is. hard, yeah. okay? We're working hard creating these podcasts, <laughs> well, flipping these mics on, <laughs> uploading audio files, video files. In my case, I'll, I'll speak for myself, there's something to, to be said for not really ha- having a life outside of what I like to do. Don't that makes you you're saying that makes you happy, right? That's, yes, but okay. But I'm saying like Kirk will justify it, and as a human, he's not wrong. He'll justify it by saying I take Tuesdays off to be with my wife and my kids. Um, and look, I can't debate that. Yeah. And real quick, so this is this is another one of these straw man arguments here. There's so many of these. Robert Johnson. You know, people really think Kirk doesn't work hard. No one's saying he doesn't work hard. He clearly is very studious. What we're saying is he doesn't work on Tuesdays. And a lot of other players in the NFL do work every Tuesday or most Tuesdays. It's not, it's not to say that right. they're, they're both working hard, but one is working maybe harder. One is putting in a little more. One is leading a little bit more on that day. It's just, it's a fact. It's a fact. I don't know how you, I don't know how you can deny that that is a fact and it's a thing. So anyways, okay. Uh, Juliana Jackson says, if the PD crew could go back in time to the 2018 offseason, what would you have done instead of signing Kirk? Were you for or against the signing at the time? You could have drafted Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen. Jackson was still available at the Vikings 30th pick. They passed on him. Obviously, hindsight's 2020. Yep. At the time, I'll just speak for both of us because we were doing a four-hour radio show on 1500 ESPN. We loved the signing at the time, yep. and I still now think that it was the right move to sign him to the initial contract. My issue was, hey, you signed him to be the final piece of a Super Bowl puzzle. It didn't work out that way. Then the roster started to erode a little bit, and then you kept dumping more money into him as the centerpiece when he was not the centerpiece going into 2018. So it shifted from, like, Zimmer, defensive culture, hard-nosed. That what like, the, the team was the centerpiece, to then Kirk became the centerpiece going into that second contract. And that's when I that's when I sort of drew a line in the sand and said, I don't know about this. Well, in 2018 was an enormous bust. Like that was that that's one of the biggest, in my opinion, a franchise that started in 1961. That's one of the biggest busts we've seen. Mm-hmm. You were in the NFC title game. You signed a quarterback who was and and I know there's a reason for it, but it's very rare that a quarterback of that accomplishment with that resume hits the market. He hits the market. You sign him, and we all said, okay, go time. But 2018, you missed the playoffs. Yeah, it's really bad. It's awful. Yeah. Uh, Will Bensing says, many Vikings fans think Kirk Cousins has elevated this franchise, and a lesser quarterback will result in a massive drop-off. That's not really the case, though, because if you look between 2018 and 17, the Vikings had eight seasons in which their primary starting quarterbacks were some combination of Gus Farratt, Tavares Jackson, Christian Ponder, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford, and Case Keenum. He's leaving out the Brett Favre season because he was a bona fide Hall of Famer, so sure. it's a different category. Yep. In those eight years, with those journeymen and or bad quarterbacks, the Vikings made the playoffs three times in eight years and an NFC Championship game, and they were a 27-yard missed field goal away from another playoff victory and maybe another playoff run. 
In the six years with Cousins, the Vikings have two playoff appearances and have never come close to the NFC Championship game. The Vikings have done just as much with journeyman quarterbacks as they've done with Cousins. To me, this shows that unless you can have a Hall of Fame quarterback who can immediately put the team on his back, you're better off with a cheaper quarterback and using the saved money to build a roster around him. To me, the decision to let Cousins walk is a no-brainer. So how about this? I saw this stat from, I think I was on Vikings Reddit floating around there a couple weeks ago. Right now, the Vikings have had four consecutive seasons of a negative point differential. So the last yeah. two years of Zim, last uh, these previous two years of KOC, that has not happened since the mid-'80s when Les Steckel was part of that one. And it's been, so it's been 30 years, all pretty much, since the Vikings had a four-season stretch of it's negative amazing. point differential. With Kirk Cousins as the starting quarterback for most of that. And I know the Vikings defense has, was a sieve uh, for, a, for a good chunk of these last four years. But that's still a pretty impressive stat right. when this guy also lays out that journeyman quarterbacks were still able to have a positive point differential for the most part with these teams. And the five years before that, they had a positive point differential five straight seasons starting mm-hmm. in 2015. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, and that was Bridgewater into Bradford into, and again, it's not Kirk's fault exclusively that they've had a negative point differential the last four years, but the entire pie is not as good as it was in the years before he arrived. Yep. Well, and the thing too is that the commonality between all the quarterbacks that he named in what you just read and Kirk is this, none of them have been capable of elevating the Vikings to that next tier. So like Kirk cousins actually fits in with a lot of those names. And and by the way, a guy like Sam Bradford, who unfortunately got hurt, was a good quarterback. Like, he was a very good... Case Keenum had a great year. Gus Farratt was a journeyman, but he knew what he, he was doing. But I think what we're saying here is, and this goes back to the fact that Kirk Cousins is not going to win or I don't think get to a Super Bowl, is they all sort of fit in that same tier. Yeah. And that was what 18 was all about. That's why we were all excited when Kirk signed. Because we assumed, okay, he gets them now up he raises the water table of the franchise. My question now is, despite the statistics, how much more do you have to see to say, to say, okay, you know what? We tried. It was a good try. We spent a lot of money, but it didn't work out. Yeah. It's uh, it's probably time for a different approach. And by the way, like the wild card in all of this, and we, we don't think this is going to happen is if Kirk acknowledges what, what everyone's sort of saying here on this side of the fence that, you know what? I'm going to take, a really big hometown discount. Like enough of this $45 million stuff. Yeah. We're going to go, we're going to go 28 million a year. And I, and, and because I'm going to go so low, I would like two years guaranteed, but I'm going to, I'm going to make myself, I'm going to take myself out of the top 15 cap hits. I'm, I don't want this contract. I've made a quarter of a billion dollars playing football in my life. I don't need to squeeze another 12 million to get to 40. So I want to win a Super Bowl. I'm not going to play for $5. I'm, I still want 20 some million dollars, but I will play for $28 million and make the team make a decision off of that. Cause now you're, now you be, now we're talking about a little bit of uh, value at that position for the first time where you're maybe paying way under market value at the most important position. And you'd have to decide, okay, is that worth? Cause if you do two years guaranteed, even at a lesser price, I don't think you're drafting a quarterback in the first round because now you're committing to like, we're kind of all in for two more years, probably going edge rusher or defensive tackle with our first round draft pick. But I don't think he's going to do that. 
What does that contract say, though? That's the question. Not how much, but what does that contract say? That's what the money says, yeah. I do. There is one more here kind of relitigating going back a few years ago. And this last feedback question is presented by our friends at Zero Res. If you have dirty carpets, dirty air ducts, just, you're just living in filth. Or maybe it doesn't even seem like it, but it's been a long time since you've had your home deep cleaned. Zero Res is here to handle that for you. They have a 4.9 out of 5-star rating on Google with 17,000 reviews, which is pretty ridiculous because people like to give bad reviews on the Internet, and they aren't doing that with Zero Res. So here's the special. It's the Score North special. It's three rooms, zero resified, starting at just $119 and a free hallway. And also $75 off when you get your air duct zero res clean. Call 952-ZERO-RES or go to ZeroResMinnesota.com and say you want the Score North special. Spell it forward or backwards. It spells the same. Zero res. Okay, one more. From Chris Noss. The way you guys hand wave Mike Zimmer's time here is sort of peculiar to me. By the way, Mike Zimmer... I guess throwing his hat in the ring for yeah. the Cowboys defensive coordinator position through a report I saw mm. this morning. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I was a fan of Mike Zimmer, and though he could be frustrating at times, so can any head coach. He came here and did everything you would want a head coach to do. He took the team that was pretty terrible, built up the defense, drafted a promising young quarterback, and showed on numerous occasions that he knew what he was doing and that his way works. Got them to an NFC title game, Came up short, but at that point, why the hell wouldn't you listen to him? Zimmer had something going on with this team, four years, building it up, and wanted to keep building what he had started for those first four years. There's a reason that there was some money there to spend because he knew what he was doing, coaching up some of the inexpensive young players. I would have been pissed too if I showed time and time again that I could do a job well, and instead of letting me continue molding my project to get where I and all the fans want to go, you go out front office and spend a large amount of money on a piece that I didn't even want. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's, we're never going to get to go back and play it out the other way, but and it's, it's true. All those points are accurate, but here's the thing. Zimmer got pissed off and became childish. And, and I, I think what's more frustrating about the entire thing with Mike is one, his first, what, four years were very successful. Like he did yeah. take a franchise that was in some, you know, in, in as much shambles as the Minnesota Vikings can be, I guess, and immediately basically turn, turn things around and, and had that team really close to a playoff win, if not for the Blair Walsh miss in 2015. But I think that's more of an indictment on the back half then. Because one, he just sort of said, it felt like he said, well, I don't like Kirk. This isn't going to work. And I'm sorry, but if you're a defensive genius, that defense got really bad really quick then. So, I, I'm not willing to excuse excuse Mike's um, churlish behavior based on the fact that he didn't like a move. Yep, and I and and by the way, uh, the emailer acknowledges that too. I it was a longer email, but he kind of says, "You guys are going at him for what judges said that he mm-hmm. kind of pissed and moaned in those last four years." But look at it from his perspective, and I think both things are true. Like he didn't get a chance to kind of carry out his vision. They did force a piece on him, but at the end of the day, there's only 32 of these jobs in the world and you're not, you're not running the front office. You're working with a front office. Yeah. So it it was, man, the 2018 season and just the fork in the road that they, that they hit organizationally. It is, uh, I think it's almost worth like a, a docu series on YouTube or something. Well, 
And Mike also cost himself because I, I really think if Mike hadn't got up to, to the podium so many times in 2017 during the midst of a great season and bitched and moaned about Keenum, then they probably keep case. Now, I'm not saying that works out, but I am saying that if he didn't want to spend on a quarterback, then you don't need to talk every game about how th- this guy is lucky, blah, 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 or you are going to go out and try and improve, which is why I was definitely on the Cousins train because it was very clear that the head coach didn't like Case Keenum yeah. either. But you know what probably happens? This is what probably happens. if they Let's say they bring Case Keenum back and he he's just not the same. It's not the same. By the way, they missed the playoffs either way in 2018. They missed the playoffs with Kirk. So let's say they missed the, let's say Case flames out. They missed the playoffs and they only win like six or seven games or something. Mm-hmm. Well, then they're in the market to draft a quarterback in the 2019 draft. Well, guess what happens? They probably take Daniel Jones or Dwayne Haskins because Kyler Murray was the first quarterback off the board. Yeah. And then Daniel Jones went sixth to the, to the Giants. Dwayne Haskins went 15th. Um, trying to see second round. I mean, Drew Locke, maybe maybe they draft Drew Locke, Declan's right. guy in the second and round. Spielman, or something. so my God, they probably do exactly <laughs> that. They probably take Drew Locke in the first round. No, so, they, right. so they, de- but they would have been able to at least like move off of some of these guys quicker and they would have been more nimble instead of just continuing to pour 30 to $40 million chunks into Kirk. I'm just not prepared to absolve Mike. Like, I'm not prepared to, to, to be like, well, he did a very good job for a period of time, but he also has to accept the fact that I saw this Motown 20 says, I think football is passing Judd by. by. The world is passing Judd by. I don't think you should. I don't think you can end a sentence with the word by. I think that's a poor form. I think we need to restructure this. The football, I think football is passing by Judd. Well, first of all, no, I think this is passing. grammatically correct, isn't it? Well, it, I'm I think not it going to comment on. I think if it this works, is correct but or not? Mm, I think there's a different way to insult me, <laughs> which I'm fine with. I always love the comments. The comments are always fun. Yes, they're good. Well, we've reached the end of our feedback Friday journey here, and so if you have any other creative ways to insult Judd or anybody else on the show, you'll have to well, drop them in fine. the YouTube comment section. So, uh, purple access tomorrow next week. We've got some fun senior bowl recap and draft speculation episodes. I think it's probably time for us to do another off season blueprint episode next week. In fact, Judd, if you could, uh, if you could go find five additional free agents that could make sense for the Vikings, we can add to our list from a couple weeks ago. I've been mulling this already. Okay. We can keep that train going as well. So thank you guys for making purple daily. One of the uh, most listened to football podcasts in America. And sticking with us through the offseason here, this is a fun time of year, speculation season, and we've got you guys every day here. Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment.